Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. When Alaska Airlines Captain Jody Harskamp took leave due to the pandemic and her children's school shifted to online learning, she and her husband, Neil Stanberry, decided to take school on the road. In the first episode of this series, I spoke with the Stan Camp family after they toured the parks of the Pacific Northwest and were taking a breather at Jody's aunt's house in Grants Pass, Oregon. In this episode, the Stan Camps are leaving Oregon and beginning their journey through California. California has the most state parks and national parks in the United States. However, before they even make it out of Oregon, they encounter trouble. Keep listening for more on Outdoor Explorer. This is Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. Jody Harskamp and Neil Stanberry, along with their children, Tui and Leaf, are joining me again to tell about their adventures homeschooling on the road. Uh, last time you were in Grants Pass, Oregon, when I talked to you, and now you're back in Anchorage, and there is a lot to catch up on. So thanks for joining me today, Stan Camp family. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to steal that if that's okay, Stan Camp family. Yeah. <laughs> So, Tui, your sticker, a picture of your sticker is going to be on the alaskapublic.org website. So, I think you gave permission to me last time. So, it's really good. <laughs> so, uh, let's um, pick up from Grants Pass. I talked to you from um, Jody from your aunt's house in Grants Pass, and you'd just come through uh, Oregon. A lot of it had been burned. Um, You'd had some problems picking up your truck in in Washington. It was delayed, and so then you ended up doing part of the trip in. Um, you had another truck, I think, or uh, no, an RV. Yeah, rented an RV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you rented an RV, and then you kind of made your way down through Washington and into Oregon, and then in Grants Pass was your first real kind of stop to regroup and do laundry and all those things, right? Yes, that was uh, necessary. I think we had gone eight days without a, a shower or uh, anything. So it was nice to pull up and uh, trash my aunt's house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure she was happy to see you. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're, we were her first visitors uh, since uh, COVID. And we were um, being super responsible. We were getting um, COVID tests just to make sure we were negative before. We didn't really see anybody on this trip, her and maybe two other people. And we were trying very hard to make sure that we had uh, negative COVID tests before we even thought about visiting anybody. So, um, and we saw her. And then when we left um, Grants Pass about about a day later, we were uh, just south of Grants Pass, only 45 minutes um, south. And we, we somebody ran a stop sign and crashed into us and um, crunched the entire right hand corner of the the truck. So we were dead in the water. Um, oh, special effects. You have to add the special effect. <laughs> yes. well, so, what's the special effect, Dewey? <laughs> we stopped for like a few seconds to stick our sticker onto a box. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> We got in the car crash, but right before that, Nuka was hanging out the window. Oh, the dog was hanging out the window. And then my mom just started screaming, get that dog back in the car. If we're going to get in a car crash, he's going to go flying out the window and die. And then we're like, okay. And then we get in a car crash. I was adamant. You should have knocked on wood or something, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I was adamant that the dog did not hang out the window or sit 
in the very center and be standing up just in case we had to slam on the brakes. I didn't want her to go through the windshield. So we had just literally got the dog back in the window, sat her down. And then this guy never even saw, never even slowed down at the stop sign. He just ran right through the stop sign and hit us. Um, and we had witnesses and it was, you know, nobody got hurt. It was just, the truck was dead in the water. So we had it towed back to my aunt's house. So you're, you're seriously, you're only 45 minutes out on yes. the, the next leg of your journey. Yeah, we were heading to the Redwoods. Wow. Yeah. And so we towed it back to my aunt's house, uh, unloaded everything into her garage, uh, which was a lot of stuff. And then towed the truck to the auto body shop, picked up a rental, uh, a comparable Nissan Armada, didn't have the rooftop tent, but we could take the bikes with us and all of our gear. And within 24 hours, we had turned the Titanic around and got in this rental truck and kept carrying on while they were repairing the truck. You have to add this special, special. Oh, I have to add another special. (laughs) There's more special. Yet, and the guy was in this Oh, cool. Oh, the guy that hit us was in he a was, very he nice. He was a brand new Mercedes. He just put the tags on it that morning. So. I mean, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So. No. Yeah. So he had just gotten this car and he was probably ripping around with it, not paying attention, all happy. And then he. Well, it was, it was, I think it was um, one of those cases where he he lived um, just less than a mile from that junction, and I think that like you know he'd driven that road ten thousand times in his life. And he was used to people always making that right-hand turn to, to go towards Cave Junction. And we weren't. We were going straight. So he knew from his past experience that, you know, 99 times out of 100, the cars take a right there, you know. Well, and we were going we, straight. We <laughs> so oh, just, man. I know. Yeah. And he was like, we all have insurance. It's no big deal. And I was like, you need to stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then uh, Leaf and I were just sitting in the back seat like, Leaf was crying, and I would just, oh. uh, and the dog was, it was just scary. Like, the dog yeah, was that is very scary. Eating her bone. Yeah, the dog was just <laughs> eating a bone. And then, oh, didn't and, face her at all, huh? Yeah. Then Leaf just was like, "I'm gonna go ask Dad a question. Can we watch the iPad?" Oh yeah. So yeah. Then they're like, <laughs> "We just watch something on the iPad while you try to coordinate this disaster." So. <laughs> Um, a bunch of people pulled over and um, two trucks were the forest service because they were out putting out these fires. Right. So they were out doing like fire mitigation. And I mean, they were like, and it was uh, like a Friday afternoon. Was it Friday afternoon? And so they were just covered from head to toe in soot and their trucks were just, I mean, they had just been battling these, uh, the remnants of these fires and they saw the whole thing happen. So they pulled over and the cops did not come, but they were so kind because with COVID the tow truck driver would only take one person. Oh, so the forest service workers drove myself, the dog and my two children to my aunt's house. So 45 minutes in the wrong direction for this guy. And I mean, talk about, um, you know, amazing human beings. And then oh, Neil yeah. in the tow truck with the, with the driver. But yeah, cause of COVID they were like, we're only, we only take one person and we're going to leave me on the side of the road with it, with the children. So my, right, right. my dad says, leaf. You can watch whatever you want. Yeah, you like, can watch whatever you want. I'm like, literally, we never get to watch anything. That's all they remember about the accidents. We let them yeah. watch the ice. Uh, so, so that for, was, I mean, for, so for you guys, the for the kids, the accident was a little bit of a win because they got to watch whatever they wanted. 
<laughs> it also really affected our, you know, our plans because, you know, we no longer had accommodation. So, mm -hmm. you know, right. that we were living out of the tent and um, that, was our... really, that really forced us to, to change tack a little bit. Well, yeah. so then we had, so we rented the truck. We had to stay in Airbnbs because we had the dog. So, so, okay. So let me back up for a second. So you had a, like a, one of those tents that's, that's up on the top of your truck. Right. And that's what you guys were staying in. Yeah. And then we so had the you, kitchen in the back, right? So you just like right. open up the back, you have your burnt, you got your stove, the whole thing. So it was our accommodation, kitchen, the whole thing. I mean, the only thing it didn't have in it was, was the bathroom. So when I was discussing this with the insurance company afterwards, I said, well, you have to cover all of our accommodation and everything because this was our, it was like an RV and, and they agreed. They actually agreed. Oh. And but they said, you know, you can't stay in the Ritz, you know, so right. most, most hotels won't take dogs. And if they do, they charge almost like a, between 30 and $50 a day as a pet fee. So we had to find Airbnbs that were dog friendly. Um, and, and also the whole point of the trip, well, the big part portion of the trip is we tried to do all the cooking on the truck to save a lot of money, right? So we needed Airbnbs that had kitchens so we could not eat out because eating out is super expensive. Mm -hmm. three days, so it just really, you know, we carried on with the road trip until the truck was finished, but it was just a whole new facet of like, instead of just trying trying to find a cool campground to stay in every night or boondock, we had to now find accommodation that would take the dog. Oh, yeah. So that, I mean, a lot of your trip, because the trip is all finished now, which we'll get to eventually, um, but a lot of your trip seems like it has been adapting to things that happened that were out of your control and Absolutely. you had no idea what was going to happen. Like the truck, not arriving in time from Alaska and then the accident. Yeah. And then, so we decided we would carry on with the trip. Whenever the truck was finished, we would somehow backtrack to get it. Um, so, I mean, that ended up where we were in California. It was finished. Neil drove the rental all the way back up, picked up our truck and then drove all the way back to pick us up. So we just hunkered down in the Tassajara wilderness and he went and took a, like a two days out of his life driving all the way back to get the truck. But we figured we didn't want to hang out around that area for three weeks because of course with COVID. Six weeks. It, it was, was, it was no, well, between five and six weeks. I like that. No, it was, it was a month. No. I, it was a month. It was, yeah, it was three. And I, I think on Facebook, it said three to four weeks for the yeah, truck yeah, repair. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember like reading that yesterday. Yeah. It was, so, um, so then, it, so after you left Grant, Grant's pass the second time, then, so where did you go first? Uh, we headed straight to the Redwoods. Okay. Um, so from, from Grant's pass to the Redwoods is only like two and a half hour drive. And we took all the back, you know, country roads and, uh, and we spent, uh, you know, four, maybe four or five days in, in the giant Redwoods, which uh, I think is one of Tui's favorite national parks out of all of them. Oh, I was going to, Leaf is saying yes too. Yeah. And the bonus was we found a black bear skull. Yes. So then we're, I saw that. Yeah. So I was riding my bike and I was like, and it was Halloween, right? So I, oh. thought, I thought it was a joke. I thought maybe somebody had one of those plastic skeletons and it flew off their car or something. And I stopped the bike and I thought that is a real thing all curled up in, in a, ball in this like a uh, ditch so then i called neil he drove with the children to where i was and we climbed down to this ravine and sure enough uh, it was a baby black bear that had mean. that had got either hit, probably hit by a car uh, and it was perfectly intact in a little ball like it had just curled up and went to sleep and Aww. 
And then, but nothing, because you know, normally things will eat it and tear it apart and spread mm-hmm. all its bones everywhere. Nope. Just decompose there for I don't know how many years. And then wow. I know. And, and then, then like, we disturbed it. And then we disturbed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what are the odds that the Alaskans find the baby black bear in California? Yeah. You know. So so did you did you go and pick apart the bones a little bit and well we took it? pictures and took it back to the ranger to ask him what it was because we weren't hundred percent sure and he just said well that's a baby black bear so then um but yeah we, we picked it apart and we thought it was a deer but then we we're like deer well, we, don't we, we, have fangs we thought, well we thought it was a deer because we thought that maybe something had eaten at it and that because we found the front tooth right and we we're like yeah. what self-respecting bear would like eat it? A deer and lose a tooth in the process so that didn't make any sense so, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so then, then we went to see the ranger and he confirmed in fact he had a um a, a black bear skull on his desk that he yep. could compare it to so mm-hmm. it was yeah wow so that was the highlight of the redwoods i guess was the amazing trees and then the, a cool black bear skeleton <laughs> that was not what was your oh, what was so it? yeah tui tell me what your favorite part of the redwoods was because I kind of got to cheat in all my schoolwork because we were learning about all of the trees. Uh, so I just went over and just asked the ranger about everything that I just copied the ranger said. She was doing but a botany. That's not really cheating. You're interviewing the ranger. Yes. So she was doing a botany block and it was great because she was learning all about conifers and we just happened to be in the giant redwoods. Mm-hmm. We were learning about ferns and voila we were in the most amazing place to learn about what she was learning about in school that is super cool when all the hikes they were always asking me questions (laughs) you were getting quizzed huh one of the most fascinating things that uh, well there were a couple of things that that we learned one of the most fascinating was they didn't understand why when they clear-cut redwoods that they wouldn't grow back you know they wouldn't ever recover and um, and we didn't understand that as saplings, the saplings take root and grow in the root balls of trees that have fallen down. Um, so the they, carcasses really, they, the they grow on kind of like salmon, you know, eating their parents or taking the nutrients mm-hmm. from their parents. It's the same with redwoods too. So when you wow. that, they will not grow back. They will not grow back. Oh. So, and we learned that 95% of all the redwoods have been cut down. So what we... Mm experience in the national park is only five percent of what was originally there wow um and the kids were mortified uh, Mm -hmm. that that's all that's left so yeah this is the planet you're inheriting right (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so we uh we had a lot of uh, fun talking about um we're just learning about all of the the different types of trees because of course we went on to the giant sequoias which are the largest trees on the planet girth mass wise but the redwoods are the tallest mm. so it's kind of interesting to stand underneath them and you just really can't even see the tops because they're 320 feet tall and it's misty and it's a very magical um harry potterish uh situation when the fog rolls in it's very very magical oh yeah when we oh, let me talk oh yeah and also when we were in the redwoods here at this airbnb and my dad walked out and then he said leave come out and there was a porcupine waddling across the road uh, uh, that's so funny <laughs> across the road have, have you ever seen a porcupine in alaska yeah 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 okay yeah because <laughs> sometimes i live in midtown and there's been a porcupine in my neighborhood before you know so 
I, I guess my, maybe- my dog got into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that was not yeah, good. That was another thing is keep the dog away from the porcupines. I guess maybe yeah. the kids were just because we were in California or in you know these big cities. Uh, maybe they thought they weren't going to see much wildlife, you know. And so um, very interesting because in Alaska, wildlife is just part of our daily existence right um right through our yard so running into the yeah literally walking out the front door and running into a moose you know um mm-hmm. almost and, running into one oh, you know, almost, walking right into the back of a moose almost <laughs> like, just, so to wake up and actually see wildlife uh which is you know, oh and then when we were driving through the uh, redwoods member um we saw those elk oh, on the side yeah. of the road they were just they were like statues oh, they were wow. just sitting there just posing just in the sunshine, like they didn't even move. We thought they were fake. Um, and they, uh, I made them ride their bikes and the elk did not move. They were just, oh, wow. they were just it, so used to humans. Yeah. Um, they're huge though. Huge. Imagine. They are, well, are they as big as moose or bigger or? No, no, not as big, no, not as big but their racks are very impressive. Yeah, yeah. And they know they're protected. So they're like, yeah. like lounging, you know, on the side yeah. of it. <laughs> They don't have much. Maybe they can be afraid of cars, but you know, there's no wolves in that area, and no grizzly bears left, and yeah. maybe occasional forays. I think there's been a wolf that's come into Northern California, but then popped back out. So they're slowly making their way back. But yeah, um, yeah if you don't have those natural predators, and just the car is your predator, basically. Yeah. So. So then we did a lot of cycling. Uh, forced the kids to do a lot of. Uh, <laughs> uh, off-road uh cycling through remember down to that beach and then we went to the fern gully where they filmed uh like star wars yeah and some other- oh cool yeah. Fern Canyon. yeah fern canyon um and that was part of the uh, state park uh in that area that was just south of the redwoods but the redwoods is an interesting national park because it's um it's kind of very long and you don't really enter and exit in a traditional way like say denali um it's really kind of all over the place and it's just because they try to are just trying to protect what's left, so it's like this really weird shaped, and there's you don't pay to get in because there's really no entrance or exit. It's just a bunch of random roads that go through different uh, groves of uh, redwoods. But we did spend um, quite a bit of time there, and it was uh, and it was just uh, lovely, just because it was uh, so spread out, and um, we hit really good weather. And then what? It. Oh yeah, and then we went and what? rode the skunk train. What's uh, the skunk train? That's in Northern California. And it's because um, the uh, the trunk uh, the train used to stink so bad. They said, used to say it smelled like a, a skunk. So there's uh-huh. a skunk on it. And the last time I rode that train, I was probably Tui's age. So it had been over wow. 35 years since I rode that, that train. So, um, and, and it goes through this redwood <laughs> grove, which is, you know, majestic, but the better stuff is you have to hike to get to it. So. Yeah. Most people take the train because it's the easiest thing to do. And um, you see some great redwoods, but you can really see a lot better redwoods if you actually just get on your feet and walk. So. And, and like 99% of people don't do that when they go into parks. They no. just take the road or the train. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the easy. I mean, if you, if you only have a day, then sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's a great way to see it. But we, again, we were on the slow roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then we stayed at a great Airbnb outside of... Um, 
uh, where the skunk train was, and we saw lots of wild turkeys. Oh, those are cool! Yeah, and uh, we stayed on a at a horse farm because um, again, with the dog, we had to find accommodation for the dog. So we stayed on a horse farm, and um, the this lady took the kids horseback riding. Uh, and I mean, I love Airbnbs. You just mm-hmm. and they made us a delicious cake with frosting. She made a delicious cake with frosting. <laughs> <laughs> the highlights of the trip right and yeah of course and even though we never actually uh got within six feet of her um she made us cakes and took the kids horseback riding and um we cooked i found a bunch of feather like she the turkeys would come off through the horse pen and she would throw this out and then I, every time i would go out where they all were and i found like five feathers because yes. they all dropped them mm-hmm. yes. And one of the other things we found um, during that period, too, was um, something that we don't encounter in Alaska is ticks. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog. Something yes. that we hadn't had to think about for a long time. And suddenly mm-hmm. we yes. deal with ticks. My yeah. uncle lives in Glen Ellen, which is in Sonoma. And we usually go to his place. He lives kind of out in the country and he's got deer around and everything. And we go out there. We go there usually once a year in the summer. And when my daughter was 10, maybe, um, she comes in and my cousin was like, he, she was sitting on his lap and he was reading her a story or something. And so her ear was near his face and he looked behind her ear. He's, He's like, she's got a tick and he lives in Yuba city. So he's used to that too. You know, it's not, it's. Uh, pretty rural there too and um, so I was really thankful because I had never had to deal with ticks before so he removed it and took it off and <laughs> took care of it it, so. it became this it became this big you know point of contention and and uh, discussion about the best way to remove a tick and by the end of it um, you know we, we were doing so it so different. often that it was just like <laughs> Grab from, from the dog or from the kids well, the dog, <laughs> the, the, no, the dog fortunately <laughs> always the dog okay um, but the first time she got a tick we were just walking to this old lighthouse and oh yes we, wa- we were just walking and leaf and i walked past this sign and we didn't read it because we were too lazy to read it so we just thought it was like, <laughs> like tiny little spiders like kind of they drew like spiders on them it looked like spiders so then we're like Huh, it must be a spider infested area so then we walk we just go walking down and then when we get to the lighthouse nick is like scratching the inside of her ear like it oh was she's going crazy she was trying to yeah she and was then just... my, and dad was like huh what's going on and he looks up the ear and then he's like oh it's a tick oh it's a tiny tick and he just kills it and then we walk pa- back past the sun and then we can read it and we're like Oh, it says tick infested area. <laughs> <laughs> the area beware. And then we, uh, um, and we, we think we found, I don't know how many we found over the course of the whole trip, but we finally got her one of those tick collars and mm. yeah, didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Really? Because yeah. I think it's going to become more popular because they have started to find ticks up here on dogs, and even on, just uh, right in town. On, uh, last year, so I oh, said, okay. Alaska. Well, I guess what I think it's, I think it's coming. So yeah, yep, yep. Warmer temperatures. I think we're going to see more of it up here. I think so too. Um, yeah. When you were in the redwoods and sequoias, uh, did you see any damage from the fires? Because I know they were really concerned. Was it about the mother tree, the mother tree, and the father tree? I can't remember if it was a sequoia or redwood. In one of the parks, they were concerned that it was going to burn these like 
250, 300 year old trees down. Do you remember hearing about oh, that? Yeah. Um, no, I think the, the fires, uh, were, they weren't, I don't think they were anywhere near the redwoods. I could be totally wrong, but, uh, there was a, there was a little bit of a fire activity. Um, the groves, the, the, they're like 2,500 years old, the groves that were, uh, left. Um, and there were some fires, but that was where they had clear cutted all the trees. So there was mm -hmm. no, you know, just kind of burned through there, but, um, everywhere in the redwoods, we didn't see any fire activity you know, close to the- It was to the fossil mm -hmm. solar in yeah, Oregon, we're in Oregon. California. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, California had its fair share of fires, but um, where we were, we, yeah. I, we didn't see any, I mean, Northern Oregon, yes, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the groves, you know, we were standing in the groves and I was like, these trees are older than our history, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was trying to explain to the kids. So this is another great thing to homeschool, right? So you're talking about the the age of these trees and what they've been through, right? You know, so we start, oh, this tree's 2,500 years old. Like, what year are we in? Mm -hmm. You know, and to go to, you know, the trees don't care who's running for president. The right. trees don't care who is president. The trees don't care about humans, right? They've lived through our entire history. And it's really hard to grasp your head around that when you're standing there looking at like this living and breathing thing that's older than when we started keeping time. Yeah. Technically, right? Yeah, they do care about humans. They do. Cutting yes. <laughs> yes. As humans are causing a lot of destruction to their environment, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then they're trying, um, I think there's a couple people that are trying to grow redwood saplings and then start new groves and then, you know, reintroduce them. And I know the, the national park is doing its part and I think everybody's working towards establishing new groves of redwoods because they grow what did we figure out they grow like 10 feet a year or something they oh, grow at a crazy. rate so um well they're very sensitive it's, it's that particular ecosystem that supports them only that you know that yeah. marine environment mm -hmm. that's why they're they were prolific there um but trying to get them to grow outside of that environment is just doesn't doesn't work they need the moisture from the uh the fog yeah uh, like their... the like the vineyards in yes. Sonoma, Napa. Same thing. It's like really important to have those hot days and cool nights. You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, the conversation with the Harskamp Stanbury family will continue. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My conversation with Jody Harskamp and Neil Tui and Leif Stanbury continues. So that sounds fantastic. That was definitely the kids' favorite favorite parks right there with the redwoods and sequoias, huh? Yeah, they yeah. love that. We got to see the General Sherman, which was the oh, that, largest sequoia, right? Yeah, that, well, that was, that's way after. So we, um, so from there we went to, uh, from the redwoods are in the upper 
uh, very upper portion of uh, California on the border of Oregon. And then we headed over to um, uh, Lassen National Park, which is uh, the volcanic national park in, in California. It's one of the least visited national parks in California. Um, and there we did a bunch of, uh, you know, the mud, there's all these bubbling mud vats and uh, super cool stuff. And then one of the largest, um, well, hikes you can do is it's up to 10,300 feet. And so we made the kids uh, climb up to 10,300 feet. Wow, that is quite impressive. Yeah. Tui, is that the, Tui and, uh, I just got a thumbs down from Leaf, but <laughs> I'm imagining that has to be the highest point you've ever been. Yeah, that yeah. was the highest they've uh, ever been uh, on their own two feet. Uh, uh -huh. We made them, it's a switchback, um, but they, the only they made thing it to the top. I do not like about it is my dad forced me to read the signs. <laughs> my reading. So then I was like crying the entire time. <laughs> so part of uh, any hiking experience is, you know, all the informational signs. So. <laughs> Another way to homeschool the kids is you just force them to read the informational signs and that's uh, right. you were in a bad mood that day. So that's the only thing she remembers about this beautiful hike is we forced her to read the, the signs. <laughs> I feel like we failed as parents miserably. <laughs> it kind of sounds like something an 11 year old would say though. <laughs> the whole day is ruined. I had to read the signs. <laughs> I had to read the signs. And then the, the we had cell phone reception the whole way. So um, you know, in the midst of all this, we're trying to zoom in with her class schedules and stuff. So uh, we're hiking down and I look at my watch, go, you have a zoom right now. So we pull over on the side of the trail and she's zooming from my phone to the classroom and they're like, hiding behind a rock because it's blasting wind. It was windy. And they're like, where are you? And she's like, I'm on the top of this mountain in Lassen National Park. And all the kids are like, like they, <laughs> they wanted to be it. there or? <laughs> They feel bad for yeah, you. Yeah, they were just, you know, everybody's on uh, quarantine, hunger down, and yeah. we're being, being outside. So, but that's uh, pretty cool that you were, I mean, that you've been able to share this with your classmates too, the all the adventures. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, as many as we could. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you think they appreciate that or they just don't even care that much? <laughs> probably don't even care. Oh. <laughs> you know what? In 15 years, they'll all look back at it and think it was awesome. Well, the teacher really appreciated it. And he wanted to, he kept saying, can you take me with you? Can I join you? <laughs> Stuck in Alaska. Yeah. So, and then we went from um, last national park. We spent a lot of time in, um, uh, in that general area of Mount Shasta. Uh, we did not climb up Mount Shasta because it was uh, fresh snowfall on Mount Shasta. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit more of a technical climb, isn't it? Shasta? Yeah, I, if, if there was no snow on it, it would be just an all day affair. But yeah. um, if, if there was a fresh snowfall. So we just viewed Mount Shasta and said, you know, looks great. Um, how, how, how long did it take to do Mount Lassen? Um, well, we spent, five hours. I think it was five hours. Um, I think we started at, I think you start at 6,000 feet. So you okay. just gained four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the parking lots at six. So, so that's like going up Wolverine or something. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. And then we went. Um, to, we spent a lot of time in the Trinity Alps, which is not a national park, but that's Northern California. Um, 
it's a beautiful, uh, it should be a national park. Uh, it's all uh, maintained wilderness areas, but we spent- um, Our friend lives there. And, um, you know, Heather lives there near uh, Mount Shasta, but the Trinity Alps were, were phenomenal. I mean, we did a, a hike one day, it was 15.6 miles in one day. Wow. And the kids and the dogs and the kids and the dog made it, which was which was great. But we wanted to get out to this remote lake and come back and um, and we were staying at a. Uh, was that in the one we got lost? That was the one we got lost. Yes, that was the one yeah. we got lost. Oh, you got lost. Yes. Okay, <laughs> have to tell the story. <laughs> yes, tell the story. This sounds like a good story. Okay, so we start off all hiking to do, and then we get kind of to the spot, and my mom went ahead because she wanted to get to the lake for us to make lunch because we were all like hungry yeah, we were starving so and i then, went ahead to make lunch and yes. then we didn't know which way she went <laughs> and then we were like it was like this like split and then we were like oh no so we just start walking the other direction <laughs> crying like we're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> motto, we're all gonna die yeah. <laughs> and then, then, like we then we start screaming, "Mom, where are you?" And then, and then you can hear her, "I'm over here." So helpful. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then we just like start walking, and then my when we finally get when we just we start following the cars. Mm -hmm, um, right. Yeah. We start walking up, and we do an extra like. Miles <laughs> going down these weird ravines and stuff, and we finally get to the lake. And then my mom's like, Where are you, Neil? And we can't see you, and then we couldn't see her. And then we're like, Oh, we went the wrong direction. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, some context to the story we were in a valley, okay? So it was there, was, there was nowhere we could have gone other than the right direction. We just went the long way to get to the same place, but. Uh, so I went ahead to make lunch and I just followed the Carnes up. Yeah. Granite, because you go off there on this really established trail and then you get to this like hill of granite that takes you up to the lake. So really looking at it, there is no established trail, but you just follow the Carnes. So you just look for the next Carn and follow. So I just assumed everybody would follow the Carnes and <laughs> apparently that didn't happen. So we were reunited and then we hiked out after we had a delicious hot lunch at the side of this really, really remote lake. And it was but that beautiful. was the day the kids hiked the furthest they've ever hiked. Yeah, that was. Um, then, like, oh, yeah. And then at the that's end, a long distance. Yeah. That's a long no, way. No, no. And then at the end, we were all like, Leaf and I were so tired and we didn't want to walk any farther. And my mom's like, if you beat these people ahead of us. <laughs> Oh, just a little bit of competitiveness there, huh? We were trying to beat the light, so it was getting dark, and I was like, we have like two miles to go, and we need to, and the kids were just falling apart, and I was like, yeah. and there's these people ahead of us that were like, oh good, there's more people, because there was no people out there, so um, and I said, if you beat those people, if you can beat them to the parking lot, I'll give you $5. And they just sprinted. They just <laughs> took off running. So you put a little money on the table and suddenly yep. the attitude changes and chocolate <laughs> helps. Chocolate helps. Yeah. I was going to say there has to, for me, it'd be like, oh, I'll get you ice cream, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know they're, they're definitely motivated by money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, 
the entire time I was walking, I had, I was always thinking, I'm going to pick up this cool pine cone on the way back, because I just, it was just the coolest pine cone, and then my mom said, if you beat these people to the car, so I just ran right past the pine cone, and I'm like, I want to walk back and get so we have a leave it there. The the issue we have with our children is they like to collect a lot of things. And when you're living in a truck, you have very limited space. So since Tui was learning about pine cones and conifers and all these other things, she wanted to collect a few, uh, the larger ones, smaller ones, you know, and then just have a little variety. But where are you going to put them? I mean, the pine cones are literally just okay. gigantic. Oh, they're so huge. That's what I remember about going to California when I was a kid you know, in the Tahoe area is seeing these yeah. pine cones that were just huge. And in Alaska, we have these little tiny ones, you know? Because yeah. she wants six of them, the size yeah. of footballs. Like, oh, where are you going to put those? No, so, so then we ship them all to our friend in Alaska. So we ship some home. Like, this is my story. Okay, yes. So then we always ship all our, all our stuff when we have too much stuff. We ship it all back home. And mm-hmm. then we sent all the pine cones to my friend and then when you were on this beach and we got a phone call from them and they were like oh yeah did you know that her name's aloe anyways did you know aloe has a phobia of pine cones <laughs> and we're like oh of course you do of course you have a phobia of pine cones and we just sent you a giant box of pine cones so, like who has a phobia of pine cones? <laughs> what you learn about your friends when you're away is yeah you pine cones because they might have a, fi- a phobia of pine cones. But yes, that was that was pretty funny. So so, so like, on various points on on the whole trip, we 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 had to ship home several boxes of sticks and twigs and <laughs> feathers, and feathers, Rambo peacock knives. feathers, and feathers and, and Rambo knives. Yeah, well. yeah, R- Rambo knives. So uh, yeah, a friend of us, a friend of ours, gave Leaf this giant knife, and we're like, and it's we're not, my head. we're not going to give that to him until he's like eighteen. So yeah, but, <laughs> uh, and somebody gave us an ice axe. Like it's amazing when people they see us and they're like, oh, you know, you're such a great family here, and we're like, where would you like us to put that? So then we just would drive to the post office and mail it home so we could yeah. keep. But just, you know, you're such, on such limited space uh, in, in the truck. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like we were in this rental, which was okay. I mean, no, it had, it had heated awesome. seats. The it was, you know, oh, that's pretty nice. It, back. It was, and then we got back in the truck and I was all cramped and the yeah. dog was farting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, when he pulled up, it was like, oh, so then we had to put everything back together again, which was a huge ordeal, you know, cause you took everything out and then put everything back together again. And then we hit the road again. And it was, um, yeah, it was kind of like having an old friend back. So mm-hmm. then we were able to go back to camping. And our first stop was the Pinnacles National Park, which is just over the hill from uh, Carmel. Um, then oh. um, Pinnacles, we had the greatest experience. We had the greatest experience in the Pinnacles. What are you talking about? We saw the coolest. What bird did we see? Okay. That's the greatest experience. Oh, that was the greatest experience. Okay. Wait. So, we were just hiking up this, like, not really a mountain. We were just going to do this one hike that you can kind of see everything because it's mm-hmm. a pretty small national park. And then we were just hiking, and there was this huge, like, ravine and this, like, cliff. And we were just, like, kind of leaning against this rock. And 
it was a condor. And just, oh, you saw a condor. It started circling beneath us. Like, yeah, so we were above, I can't remember what altitude we were at, but we, I don't know, we might've been at six or 7,000 feet, but it was, its nest was below us. Uh-huh. And so it was just circling and, it, and, you know, it's looking down and we're above it and you can mm-hmm. see its tag and everything. Like, and it, uh, we were like, Shh, you know, we were just, just standing there in silence that we were like the only people up there. So um, we just sat there in, in silence for, I don't know, 10 minutes and just watched it. You couldn't hear this bird, right? I mean, they're just so, they're stealth. And it was oh, just phenomenal. And I don't know, I know they reintroduced some condors. Um, they're on this huge kick to reintroduce the condors into that area. And this bird was definitely tagged and being watched, of course, but it was just a, a phenomenal sight to see. Well, because we got up early, um, we had to get going to make it to do some other things. So I made the kids get up at the crack of dawn and we were like the first people out there hiking. So I think that was part of the 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 wind for us was we were up early before it got right you know hot and the sun was you know too much and then um hiking in the pinnacles is interesting too because there's a lot of um steel pipes that you hold on to to get up to these really through these really tight areas and these rocks and uh, the kids thought that was pretty cool neil on the other hand was not with us because we had the dog and he was biking the dog so the dog can't go on any of the trails in the national park so i took the kids on this trail and neil was uh right biking with the dog to wear the dog out um so Mm -hmm. we're gonna do a long drive that day yeah so and then uh then so we we came down through california and then we're cutting across the pinnacles and then we drove from there and we went to yosemite I was just about to say, did you hit Yosemite? Like the yeah. crown jewel here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because, um, you know, I grew up near there. And so Yosemite was kind of my backyard. And um, I mean, it's stunning and it's fantastic, but we, there are so many other places on the planet that are uh, fantastic too. But Yosemite is the, where they get like 5 million visitors a year. No, no. But then we went just, we were just on this little bike ride because we wanted to go see the massive waterfall. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We you were, gotta see that. We yeah. were so excited, like we we're gonna see these awesome waterfalls, and then we get there, and it's just a tiny trickle. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's no water in the waterfalls, oh, so no. it's the wrong time of year to see the waterfalls, which yep. is. So we uh, rode out to Bridal Veil Falls, and it was like this little trickle of water coming down. I go, just imagine this like huge, massive wall of water. Not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and isn't there one day a year where like there's a rainbow in it or something? The yes. sun is just right. And there's, a, it's all like a rainbow. Yeah. 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 But you not, weren't there that day. <laughs> no, definitely not there. But the cool part was when we were there, the moon was coming up um, and there's a lot of climbers on El Capitan. And so you could see their headlamps because they're in their bivy sacks. And so if you drove through Yosemite in the dark, you could see all the headlamps on El Capitan and these guys trying to go up El Capitan. That is so camped. cool. We camped there and uh, we were there for a couple of days. We did some uh, pretty epic hikes. It had snowed, so there was some ice. It wasn't too bad, but it was cold. It was like 14 degrees. So um, Because this is now November, right? Are we in now November, November now? Yeah, we were there right after Thanksgiving. So okay. we did a hike, which was like the biggest hike we did on, in Yosemite. And we just were, we hiked up. And it always says no dogs and there's always dogs on the trip. For me, it's always shocking to see how many people are so unprepared when they're in the forest. So a lot of people would see they'd have their dogs, which it was clearly stated, no dogs on the trail. Let's keep everything nice. Nope. People still bring their dogs. 
And then people with no water, no food, no nothing, no backpack, nothing, nothing. And so we're coming down, there's people still going up. And I'm like, you know, the sun goes down in an hour, right? Do you have a headlamp? And they're like, huh? You know, oh, <laughs> we're just, I mean, it's just shocking. Um, but it see. was kind of funny or weird because you can usually drive to the top. Yes. It, the, the entire trail, it was like, it had been paved before. So Back in the day. Like, like you could have put a stroller up, but then mm. all the pavement was all like cracked. I think it was paved probably in the 40s and then they've just let it deteriorate. But you can drive to the top where we were, but that road was closed because of the first snowfall that closed that road. So the only way to get to that Vista Point is hiking. So guess what? Yep. <laughs> Muscle chickens, they're hiking to the top. So, um, and then we had, uh, it was super cold um, in Yosemite during the evenings once the sun went down, but it was actually glorious and sunny and probably high 40s low 50s during the day um, so we started to bring um electric heaters into the tents obviously having any kind of um heater in a tent can be an issue but uh, we were often staying in campsites and and we would uh, have an electric outlet so we bought a couple of little electric heaters and, and even when it was below freezing at night you know we were quite cozy in our, mm. in our tent with those yeah heaters. nice that worked yeah. out pretty well so we, if we had electricity, we used the heaters, but we did wake up once where there was ice in the tent and, um, but we were all cozy because we have all of our cozy that was, stuff. That was the day we decided to go to Florida. That was the day we decided. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we're putting the tent away and their ice is in the tent and we're like, should we just go to Florida? Um, but, we, <laughs> but it was just, it was so nice to be back in the... Oh. <laughs> back in the rig and then um from yosemite just right next to yosemite is um two national parks that are actually combined they have one um ranger station which is king's canyon and sequoia national park so you start in king's canyon and you drive through sequoia what are you talking about? The, kid, the kids have just reminded me of a funny story. That, no, no, um, it was right outside. No, it was right outside of uh, <laughs> uh, Yosemite. Yosemite. Oh. So, so often um, we would sleep in the tent. Oh. The tent was, um, you know, a four-person tent. And the dog um, would sleep in the truck. That was where she was happiest. Um, and she had a dog bed and she could just have the whole back seat to herself. And she was quite happy. So... The routine was I get up in the morning and put the kettle on, let the dog out, give her some exercise. And um, that was kind of the routine. Well, um, the kids also um, with their homeschooling, they carry a lot of their school supplies with them. And the schools that they go to often uses uh, beeswax um, for like modeling purposes. Um, so we often have like little chunks of beeswax in the car and the beeswax is orange or red or green or whatever different colors so i tell you this because one morning I, I walked down to the car and i opened the back door and the dog was lying on a beddy just like she was supposed to lovely and warm and just cut a curled up there and, <laughs> and you know and and um I, i'll be the first to admit that uh, i kind of make out with my dog in the morning you know we kind of have this little thing that we do and and she rolled over and she rolls over and and shows her underbelly and she's got this wound on her tummy that looked like uh, like her spleen or some kind of internal organ 
And I just looked at it and I looked at her and I was just horrified. <gasps> understand like had she cut herself on something, had licked herself raw and done some serious injury. And it was a full like five seconds before I realized it was a piece of orange beeswax. It had, it had molded itself um, to her stomach. And it had melted into her stomach. And, and, stuck, and I thought it was like some internal organ that had somehow managed to get outside of the dogs. Oh no. Just a few seconds there where I was just horrified. Horrified, yeah. The sequence of events was going through my mind until I realized it was actually something quite harmless. Yeah. And that, we, would, that would be horrifying. We thought it was hilarious because because um, then she, you know, she's wagging her tail. She's just so excited to see us. And then she like goes like this and she's got looks like like a spleen sticking out of her, you know, and, but then we had to cut it out because it was now the wax was all melted into her fur. So we cut out <laughs> every day. You had no idea what was going to happen every day. <laughs> so we'd often have to, you know, we have to um, post their work, you know. So I think a few weeks after that, you know, on Fridays when Miss Bennett would ask for leaves um you know his wax creation <laughs> he would produce something that had like spaniel hair <laughs> yeah yeah we're like uh don't mind the the hair and whatever else is stuck into this beeswax <laughs> well i think you're just lucky you didn't have another week uh delay while you had to wait for the vet and yeah. get the dog healed yeah yeah another vet bill yeah actually the dog was the easiest part of this whole trip she was just happy to be with us and just Aww. hang with us and so um when we went through king's can king's canyon uh national park and uh, the giant sequoias it was very dry um they normally get snow and it was colder but actually we hit it on a really nice weather week and there was a little bit of snow on the on the trails but um the the ground was super dry and very few people because of the weather you know it was mm -hmm. cold so and we got to walk around and look at the the giant sequoias which is general sherman is the largest living thing on the planet and um i, I can't remember what the mass is but this tree is just um it's i don't think the sequoias are as pretty as the redwoods um the redwoods are just very Boy. they're very pretty and and the mm -hmm. the sequoias have these like crazy arms sticking out and they kind of mm -hmm. look like Monsters. They kind of look like monsters, right? Wow. They're, they're just very, yeah. and they're they're just like a lot of their branches because they're they're so old, right? A lot of their branches uh -huh. they like split, and and I don't know if the, the redwoods just are very majestic and and they just look like really large trees, but this like magical, yeah. Yeah, and, and the sequoias are just gnarly, just very yeah, gnarly. yeah. <laughs> the sequoias are um, a lot of them because they've all been around for so long and there's been way more fires in Northern California than on the coast. So a lot of the sequoias have burned out bottoms, bases. So you have this 280 foot tree and the entire core of it has been burned out and it's still living. It's uh -huh. um, unbelievable, just absolutely unbelievable. So we're, we have a lot of pictures of the kids like underneath the tree, mm -hmm. even 280 feet above them and it's all burned out and yeah um, those were those were pretty uh, magical but we went into one that you could go in and you could look out the top because it was all burnt out yeah we thought you could just go into the bottom but the holes were like this big so we had to like wheel into it and we thought it was gonna be a base but then we look up and like the whole thing is hollowed out and it's, wow it's still, still perfect 
still still growing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. just amazing. Oh, you look at the stuff you learned. What you yeah, tell us about it? If the water that it drinks only goes through the bark, ah, it has its interesting little device that sucks. And also the bark, and the reason that they're able to survive for thousands of years is because the bark is often kind of sacrificial when the fires go through, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but the heart of the tree is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Phenomenal. I mean, just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. What a, I mean, what a gift, right? Oh yeah. So then we we decided we were going to go down to um, uh, from so the sequoias are uh, on the eastern side of California. Uh, so is Yosemite. Uh, you have to go like three hours east of San Francisco. So we're cutting down that whole section. And our next stop was going to be Death Valley. So we pull into Death Valley and um, we had secured some backcountry permits for like a five-day circuit around Death Valley. And um, and the day we pulled in, um, they said, oh, by the way, California's locking down we're locking down again the second time all of la county's locked down and uh death valley is included in that wow so they locked down um death valley and they canceled all camping so they closed all every single campground um starting at noon the next day so we had pulled in and we got one night in death valley which was kind of a bummer because the stars mm-hmm. were phenomenal and we had to they canceled all of our backcountry permits so and we were going to go from Death Valley to Joshua Tree, and that was all closed down too. So, so we decided, okay, again, like you have to just be super flexible. Every morning you wake up, could be something completely different. Um, and so when we got up in Death Valley, we had to vacate the campground by noon, and we did a big bike ride, and we had to be out of the park by um, sunset. Then no camping after you know campgrounds close at noon, but out mm-hmm. of the park by sunset, and then. Um, so we just decided we would just drive over to, we just start making our way over to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then we just, um, it's interesting that the, you know, understandable too, but it's also interesting to, to consider the federal or the state responses to the pandemic and in closing down the national parks, um, they also closed down the camping and, and, and I understand why that had to happen, but equally it's, it's very important for people to have that outlet too. And, and by its very nature, camping um, is kind of isolating and people were not congregating in large numbers um, anyway. I mean, the bathroom right. can be an issue, but um, it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, they had to close down, you know, an outdoor activity that mm-hmm. my judgment is pretty safe as far as mm-hmm. these things go, um, just because of their natural nature that they're we're separated anyway. I, I, you know, I did hear some official, it might've been on NPR or something talking about that was the mistake that was made early on was telling people, especially in areas where they can recreate outside that you had to stay inside. Like you should have been encouraging people to go outside, but in their family pods, you know, not necessarily in big groups, but there's been hardly any transmission in big groups, even, well, the really big groups like the insurrection and and there has been some transmission, but even those groups, there hasn't been as much as it's really being inside in a big group and that people really got disconnected from being, from being told to stay inside instead of being outside. And in that environment, in that camping environment, we, 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 we didn't, I can't think of one instance where we saw people, you know, disregarding the social distancing or, Mm -hmm. you know, people 
we're staying within the family groups. We're not, you know, intermixing or so in, in my observations, it seemed like a pretty safe setting. Right. Yeah. We were just bummed yeah. because we had these backcountry permits. Which oh. We're the only people going to be in the backcountry because we only we had the permits for this entire area. So we're going to be the only people in the area. And I said, right. we're going to cancel our backcountry permits? Yes. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Yeah. And, and that's a bummer at the end of your California trip because Death Valley and Joshua Tree are so different than everything else yes. you'd already experienced, you know. So, so oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, we always say we can go back because you can fly into right. like San Diego or LA. If we ever start doing the road trip again, we would do um, go back to those two places definitely because there was so mm -hmm. much more to see. I mean, Death Valley is gigantic and yeah. we really only hit just this one little section and it was like, oh, you know, there's so much more to see. So, mm -hmm. but we were fortunate because um, with all the uncertainty with COVID and the shutdowns and all that stuff, we were able to secure some backcountry permits in the Grand Canyon because of course, every day was like, oh, we're switching gears. We're doing this now. So, you know, Neil was the driver and I was, I had the laptop out and the iPad and my phone. And I was constantly looking at the next thing to do. Where can we get permits? Where can we, you know, like campgrounds, boondock, whatever. And, um, and that was what worked out really well because yes. somebody has to do all of the, the legwork. So um, I think we should stop here and then have one more Zoom in a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. Does that yeah. sound good? And then we'll finish the trip off. So uh, thank you, Jody, Tui, Leaf, and Neil for joining me today. It was really great hearing about all your adventures in California. And next time we get together, we'll talk about what happened after your California trip got cut short due to COVID. Sound good? Sounds great. Sounds great. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's it for today's show. Thanks to my guests, Jody Harskamp and Neil Tui and Leif Stanbury. Visit the Outdoor Explorer page at alaskapublic.org for pictures of their adventures in California. The next episode of Travel School will be on April 29th and will cover the parks of the Southwest and the Southeast. The show is produced by Eric Bork. My name is Lisa Keller and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.